You know, veganism is not just about diet, and veganism is not just about food. But learning to fuel ourselves and nourish ourselves and nourish our loved ones is one of the learning curves when moving toward a vegan lifestyle. Today's guest on the podcast, Stephanie Dreyer, is a fantastic resource because Stephanie is a committed, ethical vegan, as well as a mom and a wife who wants to feed her family in the most delicious, efficient, healthy, and ethical way possible. Her program, BatchCookingClub.com, BatchCookingClub.com, is such a clever and helpful resource for people who think that learning to cook whole food, plant-based, vegan meals for themselves and others is going to be just too taxing. And I think you'll really enjoy hearing from Stephanie Dreyer. Her links will be in the show notes, but her website is, as I said, batchcookingclub.com. And honestly, it's a multimedia extravaganza. There are plans. There are substitution lists. There are shopping guides. There are videos, interactive calls, a Facebook group, really, really thorough and helpful. And you can also find her at stephaniedreyer.com. And Stephanie is like many of us. She's the only vegan in her family and in her social group. And she'll talk about that and how she has made her own vegan community, something I am always recommending our Veg Your Best listeners to remember is possible. So I'll be back to wrap up after the interview. Enjoy hearing from Stephanie Dreyer. Stephanie Dreyer, welcome. Welcome to Veg Your Best. Hi, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure, pleasure, pleasure. I had my first uh, interviewee last week with Sid Garza Hillman. I don't know if you know who he is, but he's a he's a vegan thought leader and you're my second. So I'm branching out into this technology. So work with me. <laughs> Yay, I love it. I love it. Well, congrats. It's very exciting. Thank you. Thank you. My, my audience wants some more voices, not just mine on the, on the podcast <laughs> every week. So Stephanie, you, your company is called batchcookingclub.com. And one of the things I'm excited about, not only um, you're a vegan and you have a, a business that helps vegans eat or helps people who are feeding vegans feed them appropriately. So you're the, my, my perfect guest because a lot of my uh, clients are vegan side gigs are starting or micro businesses or experimenting with new businesses. So I want to hear all about it. Tell me, tell me about when you became vegan. Yeah. So, um, thank you. Um, I've been vegan 11 years in, in February. So I just had my vegan anniversary, if you will. Um, and I am the only vegan in my house. My, I have three kids and a husband and they did not join me for the journey. My oldest, my, she's now 17. She went vegetarian on her own about five years ago. Um, which I'd like to think I had something to do with. Um, and I, you know, I, my passion is helping busy parents, especially anybody, but especially busy parents who are trying to juggle 
that everyday grind of feeding their family healthy foods. And especially I'm proof that you can be a healthy, happy vegan with a family who isn't vegan and still cook one meal a night and make sure everybody's needs are met. Um, and so that I, that's what I love to do is help, help with that juggle. Cause I know it's such a grind and I want people to enjoy their dinner time, not be stressed out about it. Yeah. That's wonderful, Stephanie. Cause that is one of the excuses I hear most is like, well, I can't cook a separate meal for either my vegan family member or for myself. So yes. you, you figured out how to make that possible, huh? Yes, I have. And I, you know, and I definitely struggled at the beginning, but as they say, you know, the struggle is what brings you to where your, your journey, where you're supposed to be. Right. So I struggled a lot and in that struggle. I came up with a system, I have this five-step system that I use for my own family with my membership and my members. Um, and then, and then in the meals, you know, is coming up with meal ideas where you can make one base meal, but then adapt things here or there. If you want to add in non-plant proteins, you can. Um, what I have found over the years though, we primarily eat vegan at home. Like even when I'm cooking, I'm always cooking the main meal. But even if like my husband is like, oh, I'll make chicken on the side for our two other ones who like chicken. Um, I, a lot of the time, I would say the majority of the time we're eating vegan foods now because you keep reintroducing stuff to people, kids especially, they start to like that. Um, and that I, our Taco Tuesday is a perfect example. And it's a perfect example of the type of meal that I recommend to families with mixed diets is having kind of a food bar style. And we started out making two fillings, you know, again, it's one meal. I would make the, the vegan filling. My dad would make the turkey filling and then I'd have all the toppings, right? Guacamole, homemade pico de gallo, all this yummy stuff, everything that everybody likes so they can make their tacos the way they want. After, you know, a few months, my kids are like, you know what, we don't need you to make the, the taco or the turkey filling anymore. We like this vegan one. And so now that's all we have. But you know, it's a process. And I think you start, I'm getting all philosophical here, but you start with honoring where everyone's at. And I think that's the biggest mistake I made when I first went vegan was really pushing my views and the way I wanted to eat on everyone else. And it was through that understanding and having compassion, not just for the animals, but also for my family to come up with a way that could feed and nurture all of us and nourish all of us in a way that supported everybody with where they were. And so I brought that approach to my meal prep membership because I know what it's like. I know where, you know, how it feels where you want to make sure everybody's happy and you're not just dictating one thing to them. You know, it's not a dictatorship. <laughs> it shouldn't be, right? <laughs> well, you never know. Whatever works. But I agree with you 100%. This idea of um, dictating for other people, it's the compassion really is for our family units, for the other human beings who have agency, who have choice. Um, and you, I believe I read in your materials that you became vegan pretty much overnight, right? Yes. And it's not something I would recommend either to anybody, but it, it's worked for me, but it was not easy. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that is, I always, that's why our, our podcast is called Veg Your Best because 
we all know someone or two people who have done it overnight, but most of us didn't. Most of us couldn't see how that would work. And so, right. and, and that can be when someone goes vegetarian or vegan overnight, that can be a challenge for the other people in the family who start feeling maybe a little judged or maybe a little deprived or thinking, oh, these options are going to go out forever. All the things we've enjoyed in the in the past or mom won't make cookies for me anymore or whatever, right. you know? So I yeah. love, I love that you're, you're on the solution end of this because you've been in the trenches. That's wonderful. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. So what, now what made you go vegan overnight? What was it an ethical issue or a health? It was, yeah, ethical for the animals. And my story is kind of unique in that I was vegetarian for five years and mm-hmm. then I ate meat for three, three, four years. And then I had, so I was, I have three kids. I was pregnant with my first and was vegetarian all through my first pregnancy and my second pregnancy. I was eight months pregnant with my second daughter and started craving meat and became very disconnected from the animals. And, and so much that I started eating meat again in this ninth, eighth, ninth month of my pregnancy. So I, so I did that. I then, um, had my son three years later and he was about one and I was nursing him. And I would, at that time I was feeling really uncomfortable is the best word I can use in my body. Just not about baby weight needing to lose, but yeah, I probably had a few baby weight pounds, you know, in that first year, but just not feeling right. Like, like, you know, we've all kind of had that feeling where you feel like, Oh, something's not working. I don't, I don't, I feel heavy. My clothes aren't fitting right, but it was a little deeper for me than that. So my sister um, happened to be reading the kind diet by Alicia Silverstone And that book, I highly recommend to anybody, um, was very educational for me because she includes a lot of information about the realities of dairy farming. And I became very connected to Mama Cow immediately. All the reasons that I wouldn't give up cheese or milk as a vegetarian, I was like, I was literally nursing my child, my baby, and reading this book at the same time going, Mama Cal, wait, wait. And I just connected it. And that was it for me. That I went overnight. I was like, I'm done with dairy. I can never unread this. I can never. And I think because I had that connection, obviously I was a nursing mama and was reading about this and just was like, no, this is, this is not for me anymore. And so I was able to go overnight um, vegan and that, and I haven't looked back since a lot of my friends and family, I'm the only vegan in my circle thought, oh, it's going to be a phase, you know, this Mm. is just a phase. And obviously it it has become my life's work, my passion. I have two children's books around veganism. It's something that I believe so strongly in. And um, I'm lucky that I have a supportive husband, even though he isn't joining me on the journey. I mean, he eats primarily vegan now. Um, He has been so supportive and I couldn't have done it. I don't think you know, I, I talk to a lot of people who have oppositional spouses. Mm-hmm. And so that's really hard to when you don't have that support to respect each other's, you know, and even honoring that I didn't want to give my son as he was weaning dairy milk. It was like, no, that's off the table. Mm-hmm. And my, my husband was like, okay, um, I just need you to do the research and make sure he's getting his educate or his nutritional needs. And I'm okay with that. Not I recognize that not everyone is in that position with that support system, but I was very fortunate 
that I had that and it made it a little easier to transition. Although I will say going vegan overnight is not something that I recommend you. It's not a sprint for sure. It doesn't need to be a sprint. Yeah. Especially when you're busy with, um, small children and yeah. <laughs> taking care of a lot and, you know, presumably have your hands full. So you want to, because there is a, there is a certain amount of self-education involved to make sure that you are fueling yourself yes. well and, and feel, yes. and also fueling yourself uh, emotionally well in, mm-hmm. in that whole journey, because you want to make sure that you're not, not making a bigger problem for yourself by going vegan. Exactly, exactly. And that you, I'm so glad you said that because that was one of the first things that I did was worked with a nutritionist, you know, to make sure I was getting the right amounts of everything that I needed and, you know, B12 and all that stuff. So um, you're right. That's so, so important to make sure you're taking care of yourself. And when you do it gradually, you're more, you're better able to do that. <laughs> I think, I think in general, yes, but you know, everybody has to do exactly what works. And I think sometimes people, if they make it too gradual, they kind of lose track of what their why is, what their real reason is. And one of the reasons I'm so pleased to talk to you is sometimes in the vegan community, we get a lot of pushback that, you know, veganism isn't a diet. It's not, it's not just food. And I, and you are certainly somebody who is very concerned about the entire ethical structure, not just creating a whole food plant-based diet, which is divine and wonderful and great, but you're also, you're also coming at it philosophically in, in the way that um, I think is important to recognize that there is, we don't all have to come from the same point of view. Um, but I, I want to recognize your point of view being kind of on the side of the angels for this. It's beautiful. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it, it, it definitely is. You're absolutely right. Thank you. So, so when did you get the idea? Cause I've looked at your, um, your website's beautiful. I assume oh. your website took some iterations. Did it, or did it just all come out like that? Oh my gosh. You are so generous and kind to say that. Um, I, you know, I had about four months to launch my business. It was, it was um, not something that I ever planned. It's so interesting. I had, I was working full time. I, my background's in marketing, but I've always had this platform where I was sharing recipes and meal planning tips. And it was more of a passion project because I was looking for connection and community Mm. in a world where I didn't have any right in my immediate circle. So that was my way of connecting with other vegans, giving support. Sometimes the best way to heal ourselves is to support other people with the support you wish you had. So that's kind of what I was doing subconsciously. Um, And I happened to be working full time for someone in the health health and wellness vegan community that I adored and thought I had my dream job and was loving it. And I unexpectedly got laid off. Her business kind of was, she was making shifts and unfortunately couldn't keep me on anymore. And I was just like crestfallen, like, you know, Mm. it wasn't something that I had planned to do. But so at the time I was, you know, still kind of um, I have always done marketing to my background. I've always done consulting on the side. And I thought, you know what? It's now or never. I had this idea before I, or not even idea. I was teaching classes. I've always kind of taught cooking classes off and on. Um, I've been asked to do them. And so I'll, you know, get invited and I'll do them. Well, for some, some iteration of this, I had partnered with a nutritionist and we were doing meal prep classes in my house like two years ago when you could actually do that kind of thing, um, in 2018 or 19, what, what I think it was 2018. And, um, 
I would, it was so simple. I would literally just have like four to six recipes. And basically this came about because I was cooking homemade meals for my family around five nights a week. And my friends and family would come over and see my little menu up there and see my, you know, school lunches I had planned. And they were like, wait, what, how do you do this? You only go to the grocery store once a week. I don't, and I, and I kind of looked at them like, what do you mean? This is normal, right? Doesn't everyone do this? Mm. And it made me take pause and say, huh, I have something here that I should share because it doesn't have to be so hard. I was hearing like these busy mamas, like going to the store every night after work and struggling. And I'm like, it does not have to be that way. So I started doing these meal prep classes. I partnered with a nutritionist. Like I said, we did four to six recipes, basically showing them what I did in my house. I, I did all the shopping. I prepped, um, I did all the recipes and they came with their little, you know, takeout containers, storage containers. And I had the station set up. It was just maybe six or seven uh, women and men, actually men's, the dad started coming to. And sometimes the moms with their daughters trying to teach them. Um, a lot of times the daughter was going vegan and the mom wanted to learn how to cook for her. And at the end, they would leave with all the components for like a few meals for the week. So it could be a sauce. It could be, um, you know, uh, some roasted vegetables that were going to get folded into a casserole, whatever it was, they left with all this stuff. And then the next week I would get these calls and these texts saying, oh my gosh, I'm eating so much healthier. Everyone loves the food. I'm not stressed out at the end of my day. Like, can you do this every week? And I was like, uh, I can't do this every week because I had a full-time <laughs> job, but I, it sat with me, right? Like I thought there's a, there's something here. So when I got laid off, it made me go think, how can I scale what I was doing? And I came up with this idea for the membership and I had about four months. I had it in my head. I was, I was like, it was like end of July that I got laid off. I took like August off to just regroup and I launched in, in January, wow. end of January. I was like, I'm going to, I was, it was, that was just like, this is how I get, I just kind of get this idea. And it was like, so to a very long answer to your question, um, I did not spend too much time on my website because I couldn't wait to have everything perfect. And that's kind of, um, I guess a good analogy too, for just your vegan journey. Like you don't have to wait to do it perfectly. Like, you know, my business has actually shifted a lot since I launched, like what I offer now versus what I offered before the types of meals. I only do dinners. Now I've learned what works and what helps my families the most. Right. So it's been a wonderful gift to give myself permission to kind of be like, it's okay to pivot, especially with COVID. Like I had to pivot a lot. People were not spending money on memberships. They weren't, they weren't, they, even though people were at home cooking, people were worried about money. So mm -hmm. memberships not, weren't necessarily, extra expenses weren't necessarily on everyone's list. And so I really, um, I do have a marketing background. So I did have some skills that enabled me to kind of know what to do to set things up. And I kind of have just gone from there. And it's funny you say that, Michelle, I really appreciate you saying it because I keep thinking, I need to like refresh my website. I haven't touched it really since oh, I launched. Yeah, you made me very, very jealous because I think it looks beautiful. I just assumed that you were like refreshing it every every six months or something because it looks gorgeous, really does. And Thank it's very you. clear. 
Uh, it's very clear for the different, you have your recipe section, you have your tips and tricks section, you have your informational sections. It's really very clear, very easy to navigate. And I, I, I really admire it. And I love that you said, because this is what I tell everybody, don't wait to start something. If something's important to you, it's too important to wait to start until you're perfect at it. I love that you've shared that. That's, that's so important for all of our listeners, whatever their goal, even if they're not in the least bit plant-based, even if they have no business, whatever it is, it's, it's too important to wait to start. Yeah, agree. <laughs> and now you were talking about um, learning to cook differently and cook and teaching other people how to cook. What ingredients are, um, like I always say, Cole, I always joke about kohlrabi. I have never, to my knowledge, eaten kohlrabi. I, I probably would love it. I just don't think I've ever eaten it. I can visualize what it looks like in the supermarket. I don't know what to do with it. Um, so that's my kind of joke ingredient that is still in my future to learn how to prepare. But what have been some ingredients that were new to you when you started um, teaching people to cook? So tempeh was tempeh and tofu was probably the biggest because everyone's intimidated by those. Mm. Um, and you shouldn't, there's, there's no reason to be intimidated. Tofu is so versatile. You can use it in so many different ways. So I, I always, a lot of, I do weekly cooking classes on the public uh, batch cooking club, Facebook page. And I try in, in fact, this week I'm doing tempeh steaks because I, I always try to pick recipes like that, that might be intimidating to people because they're like, what is that? I've never heard of it. So those were two for sure. And then miso was another um, ingredient because it's such a great um, for vegans, especially and for anybody, but especially for vegans, it adds that like kind of umami flavor, you know, that is traditional and maybe some non-vegan dishes. And just kind of getting to know that there's different types of miso and how do you use it? And um, so th those are probably my biggest ones. When I first went vegan, I remember going to the store and just buying anything that was vegan. Like all this, this um, Alicia Silverstone had this huge list of ingredients of different things. And I was like, I'm just gonna get them all. I don't recommend that. That can be a little overwhelming. Maybe start with one or two new things. Once you get the hang of that, add in another thing. Um, so yeah, those would be my, my top three. And just, I love to show people um, how to use, you know, how to come up with new recipes or taking their traditional recipes that aren't plant-based and using some new ingredients like tempeh or tofu to transform it and still get those same flavors, right? Mm. So that's the key, I think, is always trying to remember, like, obviously a plant-based diet is not the standard American meat, potatoes, vegetable, right? Our plate looks very different. It's mostly vegetables. And then there's a little grain and some there. And I, people think you need that big hunk of protein. Like you don't, it's like way more protein than we need. Mm -hmm. But I think um, what I try to, to impart on people is that you, you might not have the same exact meal, but if there's flavors that you like, that's so easy to bring those flavors into plant-based foods and not feel like you're missing out. In fact, you're probably going to feel like you're winning and getting exposed to all of these other things. I, I think that's so true. I think, um, I thought I ate widely before I became vegan, but I eat so many more foods, so much more. I mean, my family calls it ingredients that we're eating ingredients, <laughs> not a meal, but, uh, but I love that. That's my plate is full of so many different things. I, I think it's one of the best things about, and then they never feel deprived. I never feel restricted because there is so much 
food available to, to me to eat now, but it takes some practice to visualize that plate before. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So now your website has um, this week, you have your weekly menu. So your weekly menu changes every yes. week. And um, I was looking at some of you had tacos, you had a Chinese salad, and you have spicy lentil quiche. Tell me a little bit about how you make a quiche in a vegan in a vegan um, plan. There's a couple different ways. The one you're talking about is a, a tofu base. You can also make them with um, uh, chickpea flour. But with t- uh, this is one of the great ways. So tofu is so versatile. You can blend it up like in a food processor with different seasonings and lemon juice, and you have more of a savory filling, but you can also do the same and make like a cheesecake filling too. So tofu is really fun. So what we do in this recipe is that's exactly what I did is I um, put it in the food processor with some lemon juice, nutritional yeast, a little garlic powder, I think a little salt, you blend that up. And then we, um, roasted some fingerling potatoes and asparagus with Mm -hmm. some um, lemon juice and mustard. And then we also made some lentils with some herbs. So it's kind of, it's like a spring quiche. And we fold all of that into that batter, if you will, that quiche tofu batter. And then you fold it into your, you know, pour it into your your quiche dish and bake it. And it's just, um, you know, it's reminiscent. Of course, it's not exactly the consistency of a quiche, but it is reminiscent of that. And it has all the flavors and um, packed full of protein with those lentils and the tofu. Plus you get all those vegetables and it looks so pretty. (laughs) I wish I had seen it before East. That would have been definitely on the table. That sounds like a fantastic spring brunch meal. I'm I'm definitely going to make that one. (laughs) Yeah. And I've also, so you have pantry checklists, you have planners, sheet pan meals, so that's yes. a great thing for people. Everybody likes a sheet pan meal. That's one. Yes, I I love coming up. So you're talking about my resources page, and I feel like I, if I had, could just make up, I, all, they're all free. I just love to come up with basically when I, something um, I'm hearing, you know, in the community that they're struggling with this or that. I think about okay, what could be a good fun resources for this. So. I love to come up with all these different, you know, basically downloads that can help people. So that sheet pan meal is a really big hit because, you know, who doesn't want to just make one meal, a meal on one pan, not have to do dishes and it's ready in like 30 minutes, like count me in. So there's a lot of different ideas there. I also have one um, for food bars that I mentioned earlier about those different kind of, think of any kind of buffet style menu where you can just, um, feed everybody with one meal. There's different options. I do that a lot in my family. Um, Some of our favorite meals are food bars. Um, So yes, there are lots of, and then of course I have my planner, which is like the most coveted thing. That's like, takes you through my five-step process. So you can create a routine, set up your weekly menu, and then also set up your prep in a way that you're in and out of the kitchen in two hours. Cause that's really like, I think like the secret sauce to Batch Cooking Club is I don't want you to take five hours or spend all day in the kitchen on the weekend, just so you don't have to cook during the week. Mm -hmm. My approach is I'm busy, but I enjoy cooking and I just don't have, or the don't have the time or have the desire to spend the time 
you know, more than 30 minutes in the kitchen on a long, after a long day. So my idea with the club is to identify where you need the help the most. And we give you four dinners for the week for you to plug in. And on the weekend, you spend no more than two hours cooking four to six things. That's going to speed up those four dinners during the week. So you fill it in on those nights that you need the help the most. So um, I take you through that process in this planner. Uh, I know you'll share that link. I'm sure you, I don't know if you want me to share that. But um, that is really, to me, like the five step system, if you can organize yourself to do that every week. And it really, it doesn't take much like anything. It's just planning for it, putting it in your calendar and, and sticking to it, prioritizing around it, which I know is easier said than done. But I'm telling you, once you start to do that, and as you know, it's life-changing, it's transformative, and you are eating healthier, you aren't stressed out about dinner, you can actually sit down and be more present with your family um, during those dinner times. And I have just found, I just love to see the transformations with my members when they tell me like what's going on with them since they, you know, start the membership. So that's really the joy that it brings me. So anyway, I could talk forever about that. <laughs> no, I hope you will. I hope you'll keep talking about it. We, um, one of the things I do notice is if you are, if you're feeling, and I'm by saying by you, I mean me, if you're feeling um, sensitive that what you're putting in front of your family is maybe they're feeling deprived, they're feeling restricted that you're not offering the things you used to make or used to offer. And if you are in the process of cooking a new meal in front of them, I think it's a recipe for feeling very defensive and very tense. So the idea of having a plan ahead of time, which is like, okay, we're going to try these this week. That's the plan. And if you don't like them, we won't repeat those next time, or we'll repeat them slightly differently. But it keeps you a little bit out of that. Um, I wonder if he'll like it. I wonder if she'll like it. I wonder if they will eat it. I wonder if they're going to, you know, that moment when you're making dinner at the last minute, sometimes tempers are not what we ideally hope for <laughs> before the before the family dinner when everyone's hangry. So I love the idea of having a plan ahead of time. You have the the um the the cooking the, not the, the shopping list available for people so they're so prepared and i think that's just a, i think it's a wonderful thing for people to try and you have so much support available through your group and so i'm wondering what was you know so many people i talked to about starting a new business what were the speed bumps for you as you as you got going on this on this process um, I think the, so I mentioned, I have a background in marketing. So mm-hmm. I already like, I kind of had the platform. I had my following on Instagram and Facebook that I marketed to. I had the idea. I had, I'd already had my audience that knew me um, to introduce it. And I had the knowledge about social media and everything since I was using that something I think I struggled with and is like the actual sales. I never consider myself like a sales person. And mm-hmm. so it was learning how to take those connections I was making on social media and actually turn them into members that, you know, wanted to work with me. So that was, that was a kind of a stumbling block at the beginning. Cause I just thought, Oh, I'm going to put this out there. People know me. I'll just talk about it and it'll happen. But it was, what I realized, and it's been a beautiful thing, is not just putting it out there, but then connecting one-on-one, and which I love about social media, I'm able to do that, whether it's on my DMs or hop on a Zoom, whatever it is, to actually connect and talk to them 
because besides the membership, I do meal plan audits. I have this six week um, coaching program. So there are other things like to get to know them to be like, oh, you know, this sounds, what kind of support do you need? This sounds like this could be a fit or whatever. So that was a stumbling block for me at the beginning was just not just putting it out there, but taking it another, learning how to take the next step to connect with people one-on-one and actually serve them, um, you know, as best as I could, which you always win when you serve people. Like, so that's what I kind of realized. I'm not selling, I'm serving. How do I serve this person? You know? Absolutely. That's true. So that making the offer saying, listen, I can help with this. Yes. um, Yeah. was uncomfortable at first. It was very uncomfortable, very uncomfortable. Um, And then I think the other stumbling block, I spoke a little bit about this was kind of figuring out what served people best like I started out um not just serve um just with dinners that it was like a snack I did like a snack um a breakfast I forget I can't even remember how I started out but it wasn't just dinners I was kind of trying to please everybody that was the stumbling block and Mm -hmm. so then once I got you know once I started with my core members and was listening to them and observing it was really dinner that people struggle with And breakfast and lunch, it really varies. There's no one size fits all, I don't believe, meal plan for anybody, any family. But I realized that the common thread was dinner. And if I could help make that easier, once, and I do this with my meal plan audits, is once we get dinner solidified, then it's very simple to add in breakfast and lunch because they've already got the basis, right? They've already got the like tools to to navigate that. So once I figured that out, which was about seven months into the membership, I that's when I pivoted and I was like, okay, we're just doing dinners, four dinners a week. And, and it simplified for everybody, not just myself, but it simplified like, okay, um, that was that was good. But then again, you know, like I said, I wouldn't have known that unless I let myself be imperfect and just start where I was. So I had a lot of anxiety about that. Like, oh my gosh, can I pivot? Can I change? And the beautiful thing now that I realize, I'm like, yeah, I can, I can, of course, any, you know, that's life. We change, we pivot, we adapt. Um, and that's been a wonderful gift because if you know me, Michelle, I am very type A and can be quite stubborn. So just learning to be able to like, you know, be flexible with that. Um, and again, in the, with the goal of serving my community best, what am I hearing from them? What, what is their need? And so that kind of helped me sit better with it. Like, okay, I'm doing this for them. This is what's going to work best. So those are my biggest doubling blocks. I think that's so valuable for most people because so many of us make, even if we're not type A, uh, we make changing our minds being wrong, that we've done it wrong, that it was a mistake before. And it's, if, if we just get rid of that concept from our minds, it wasn't a mistake. It was the, it, it was the, it was plan A or it was the beta or it was the, it's, this is how we get out. This is how we test our work. This is how we test our, um, our, our strategies. And same thing with cooking. There are certain foods that we maybe never really master or we never really enjoy the way we do. I always say, I always like somebody else's salad more than any salad that I make. Uh, I just, some, somehow some, if somebody else made the salad, it's more delicious, but, um, but this is so good to notice that it's um, for all of us starting. There's nothing, there's no, what if we just get rid of wrong from the whole, the whole concept and we're just learning, we're learning or we're winning. 
overlearning. Um, <laughs> and so you mentioned your your six week jumpstart and your meal plan audit as a, as a separate type of adjunct for people who want a little yeah. more like handholding, perhaps than your uh, tell me tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so both of them include the membership, so you get the benefits of all of the weekly support and the recipes and everything, but it's, it's exactly what you're saying. The meal plan audit is ideal for someone who, um, usually the people who, who take advantage of that are people who need help getting started. Like they, they need to actually create a routine. Like they need my help to figure out when do I plan every week? When do I grocery shop? When do I, um, prep and how do I fit it in? So I kind of get them set up and then we spend um, time together creating a template. I call it a template where they can plug in their batch cooking meals, but also we give you four dinners. So you also have three other nights in the week, right? Mm -hmm. To figure out what to cook, but also set it up in a way that works for you, not create work. So mm -hmm. I teach you how to look at your schedule for the week and, and determine, okay, where, when would I plug this meal in? When would I plug that meal in and set up a template that you can easily swap out recipes every week. And we do that for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So you get the whole, the whole meal, the whole, or all three meals a day. Um, and then I have follow-up support with you to kind of hold you accountable because I'm your little cheerleader, making sure you stick to your plan. And, and then tweak it, like what didn't work, what worked. And so that it's very customized. It's very personalized. So, you know, if you start sign up for the membership and you've already got your routine down and you know what you're doing, the membership's great because then you can just plug in the meals because you've already got your system down. Um, and I also help you get started too. So you, you can, you know, be successful that way as well. But the audit is definitely for someone who needs more support to actually get started and figure out a system. If they're like, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, the um, Jumpstart program, I do these every six weeks. And this is really a journey um, to take you from creating a meal plan routine and a process that transforms your weekly, daily dinner prep. And so um, it's in a group setting. We meet once a week and we actually have, I, I take you through like different um, trainings on different aspects of meal planning and also going plant-based. So this is really ideal for people who might be new to plant-based or are need help adding in some plant-based meals. Most of my members are not hundred percent plant-based, but they have either family members that are, that are, so they need to add more of those meals in, or they really want to be plant-based or they're the one who's plant-based driving it and they want help bringing their family along with them. Mm -hmm. So we have these weekly sessions where it's, I take them through some training, we do Q and A. And then the fun part that I think is the fun part, we do these meal plan work sessions. So we're actually live together, putting our meal plans together for the week plugging in the batch cooking club recipes, of course, but then also figuring out the rest of the, the week with breakfast, lunch, dinner. And we do that for six weeks. So by the end of the six weeks, I joke, you guys don't need me anymore because you're in a routine, you've got this down. Um, but then they have the membership where I'm live every week to support them. But it's that's like another layer of support. Um, if you need that, you know, you know, you're going to need to be held accountable. You want that live session to actually do it. You know, if you're a doer and you learn by doing it, that's the way to go with the jumpstart. So I'm actually getting ready to launch. Um, we just finished one last week, one six week session, and I'm going to be launching the next one 
um, not this Thursday, but the following Thursday, whatever date that is, the 22nd. I don't even know what day it is. Yeah, I think it's the 22nd. The 22nd. Um, That's the uh -huh. next jump start. Okay. Yes. Because I think that will come out. I think my listeners will hear it for the next one, for the, yes, okay. for the next six weeks, but the link will be in there. Um, so, you know, this is very interesting to me also because this idea of having a little extra attention, a little extra opportunity to run by you, what's what's being tricky for you. Um, because I have, I have a girlfriend who said recently, we were in college together and she said, I could be vegan except for eggs because I eat an omelet probably five times a week. I can be sick in the dark with, you know, with almost nothing working in my life, but I can make an omelet. It's just automatic. I can do it anywhere, anytime. And I think this is one of the, um, one of the hurdles for some people is it's, they already know, they know where you store the food, the, the way they've been eating for 30, 40, 50, maybe more years. They know exactly yeah. how you wrap it, how you store it, where you buy it, when it's good, when it's not good, what, what you do with it, when it's getting a little, you know, old in the fridge. And so there are some new, new things to learn with this. And sometimes I think sometimes we overcomplicate it, that it's all going to be weird. There's going to be too many unfamiliar things in the fridge. And I love that you've offered a, a way to kind of introduce one thing at a time, one meal at a time for the week. Um, of course, they're all still in the website for everybody to go back to. Yeah. But the idea of one kind of one meal or one group of meals a week sounds wonderful to me. So tell me, tell me what are what are some of the common um, uh, pushbacks from people when they're first starting that then they laugh about later? So the one of the biggest things I hear is like I just don't have time. Um, when I have when I when my life settles down, I'm I really want to do meal planning. It's I know it's going to help me, but I'm just too busy right now. When life settles down, I'm gonna I'm gonna start meal planning. And I laugh and I'm like, that's exactly why you need to do the meal plan. So once I get them on board and we start doing it, they're like, oh my gosh, I should have done this sooner. <laughs> like I could have been less busy sooner. You know, it's like, again, it's transformative. Yes. So that's one of the things I hear. Another thing I hear a lot too is, they're really surprised by their kids liking the recipes more than they thought they would. They like something, you know, they're trying them and they're like, oh, I don't know if my kid's going to like this. They are, I am, I am still surprised and delighted at how many times I hear my kids like this. My kids love this and they don't like broccoli or they don't like this or whatever. They don't like tofu, but they loved this. Um, so I think having a little bravery to try some new things and I get it. The stress is real. There's nothing worse than making a beautiful meal, putting time and effort into it, and then your kids don't eat it. And then you're you're not only disappointed and frustrated that they're not eating the food, that, but then you have the mom guilt or the parent guilt that are they going to get fed? Are they hungry? Did they get their nutrition right? So I get right. it. Um, but I but I've ha I do have suggestions and tips and tricks for helping people navigate that too. So there are, you know, you can deconstruct the meal for the kids so they have the components and they're, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of kids don't like to have it meshed up together. I think touching. Um, <laughs> yes, exactly. So there are we talk about strategies to do that. But I but I, I am I have to say a lot of the times the parents are really surprised and delighted that they like the meals more than they thought they were going to like them. I think sometimes we use our families a little bit as an excuse for our own 
uh, <laughs> our own trepidation about yeah. all kinds of new things. Like, oh, the husband won't like it. Oh, the wife will, will push back. Oh, the kids my or my in-laws. I hear that one uh -huh. all the time. My in-laws are going to be not helpful or not supportive. I'm like, all right, well, maybe they won't be sometime. Yeah. You know, I, I don't <laughs> suppose they like all your food today. So. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You're yeah. exactly right. Before we go on, I want to—I don't want to miss hearing about your children's books because I think that's oh. just beautiful. We have a new grandson, a one-year-old in, in our family, a first Aww. grandson, and so—and I've been thinking about the different um, the different books and the different um, categories of of teaching our kids about things. So you have um, two or more? I have two books. Two. Yeah, I have not a nugget and not a purse. And not a nugget is about all the animals that we eat and not a um, purse is about all the animals that we might wear or use at home, like furniture and rugs and things like that. Mm -hmm. And my message is animals are our friends, not food or home goods or clothing and things like that. And um, it, they're nonfiction picture books. So they're meant to be educational. I spent a lot of time researching facts about animals and I specifically chose facts about animals that kids could relate to because I had this epiphany when I was writing them that our kids are so connected to animals when they're young. And then as we get older, somehow we become trained that, you know, some animals are okay to use as pets and some are okay to eat. There's something happens there with our society and culture and then we become disconnected. But if you talk to a small child, there's like they have this innate love of animals. Um, and so I wanted to harness that. I wanted to nurture it and support them with that. So the, for example, the, the facts help them stay connected to that animal. So for example, in, um, I think it's not a nugget. I can't keep track of all my different animals in there. It will, it says it takes a food, um, not a hot dog. And it shows a picture of a pig and my illustrator, Jack Veda, shout out to him. He did an amazing job with the pictures. Um, and so there's a picture of a pig. And then on the next page, it says a fact, did you know? And then it gives you a fact. Did you know that pigs can play video games just like you with a joystick. Mm. And so it shows the pig playing a video game with a joystick. So what kid can't relate to playing video games, right? Right. So again, it's just trying to connect them with the animal in some way so that they, it humanizes them basically is what I was trying to do. And then at the end, it brings them all together with that message of animals are our friends, not food. And I give um, suggestions at the back of the not a nugget with, you know, instead of a hot dog, what are something that you can eat? Because I thought here, you know, the kid's going to read this and then they're going to say, mommy, I don't want to eat hot dogs. And then poor mom is going to be like, oh my gosh, what do I give them instead? <laughs> right? Right. So I wanted to have some resources there. So there are some resources on my, on my stephaniedreyer.com website. There is resources for the book. There's also resources in the back of the book with some meal suggestions. And then the same thing with not a purse, there's alternatives like what can I wear instead of wool or what can I use instead of leather? Um, so that was the, that was the um, journey of those books. And it came, I have a kind of a, I don't know if we have time. I have a kind of a fun of story Please. about how it came about. So I, during this time that I was, you know, um, creating my platform and sharing recipes and all of this, I was also reconnecting with my love of writing. I've always been a writer and I'd been taking um, 
uh, writing classes on the weekend at a local university. And I was doing all this studying to, to write books, write children. And I was very focused on children's books. And I think it really reignited as I was reading to my kids, these picture books and just re-sparked, reignited my love of picture books and the impact they've had in my life. So I knew I wanted to focus on children's books. And I remember speaking to my husband, really struggling with how to connect my veganism with my writing. I said, I was telling him like, I feel like it's, it should come naturally to me. And it's not like, I thought by now I would have an idea and it's just not coming naturally. Mm. And he was like, he, he kind of just was like pushing me, like you absolutely can connect them. Like you, you know, and he was like encouraging me, cheering me on. I was just like, I don't, I don't see it. It's not coming to me. I'm really frustrated. That night I went to bed and I woke from a sleep in the middle of the night and had the idea for not a nugget. And in the dark, I don't even know what I grabbed, whatever was there. I just started writing down in the dark, in the dark, some notes to myself. I woke up in the morning and that was the beginning of not a nugget. And I, I mean, I pretty much sat down and concepted the whole thing in one sitting. And then obviously it took me several months to research the facts and work with the illustrator, but that's literally how it came to me here. I was struggling, struggling, struggling. And then overnight, it was like my husband helped plant the seed that just sprouted as I was sleeping. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? Well, there's, you know, it's like, it, it, the analogy of planting the seed is that we can't plant the seed and keep digging it up, looking to see did it do anything <laughs> yet. You know, we've got to give it a little chance to, to, you know, germinate. And uh, yes, that's beautiful. That's fantastic. I think that's beautiful because we, um, because there is that special time of, uh, of childhood where we, we create so many warm uh, associations with animals. And, and I know for myself, um, I primarily my beginning was was more health was more of a health journey for for when I became vegan. I just know that we I just closed off. I just completely closed off. I was very blinkered about about um, the role of animals in in my life in around us. And um, so that is probably the thing that keeps me vegan more than anything else is the animal ethics and and the ethics for the people who who um are charged with processing those animals. And, yes. and, and so, um, so I, I feel like that's just as important too. the people who are, are um, really traumatized by the kind of work that they are, are kind of forced to do. Yeah. Um, so I think that's beautiful. And I think it's wonderful. And I think we all need to remind ourselves, even if we choose to continue um, supporting those industries to do it with full knowledge to, to full full transparency of what's going on. So we sometimes get people say, well, you're pushing your values on your children or on other people. And I I have to say, I grew up with the, the values of eating animals was pushed on me. I didn't realize it was. So I think it's, you know, it's not, it's not a weird thing to push your values on your family. No one's, no one's forcing anyone. They're just trying to make each other um, fully, fully cognizant of what's going on. Exactly. And that's what I do. I, you know, cause I tried forcing and that, you know, I, I wasn't vegan my whole life. So I had to have compassion of there was a time when I wasn't vegan, but exactly what you said, I just raise them with awareness. So they know what they're eating, where it came from, and they can make that choice. When I'm, I share with them information about veganism, about, you know, that's appropriate about animal cruelty and mm -hmm. depending on their ages, it's changed over time. Mm -hmm. But that that's 
you know, that's part of, I think, parenting is providing information and letting them decide, right? Um, I mean, to some point, I guess we are the parents, but I'm, but I, I am a hundred percent, I guess what I wanted to say in support of what you're saying is as far as giving them the, the information and not necessarily pushing it, but being the example, that's, that's what I say is I lead by example. So I'm not saying my way is the right way, but it is the way that I feel ethically and socially responsible for being the change I wish to see in the world. Yeah. Like, to know that's my quote. I want to be the change I wish to see in the world. So this is how I'm going to be. Um, and then they can make choices. And I have seen that have a positive effect in all areas of my parenting when I approach it that way. Yeah, because there's so many, there are, there are a million other uh, parts of being a parent where you're not necessarily going to be on board exactly with your kids and they may not be a hundred percent on board with you, but you want to be fostering education and respect and compassion. And uh, I think, I think this is, you've given us a lot to uh, work with. Where would you say our, my listeners should begin to understand what you've got on offer for them? I would go to batchcookingclub.com. That's our main website and just go there. And then if you have um, further questions, you can always Instagram at Batch Cooking Club. You can connect, send me a DM or either on Facebook as well, Batch Cooking Club. Reach out to me. Like I said, I love to connect individually, but the website I think does a good job of kind of showing you what, what's included, how it works, all of that. And you can even see, like you mentioned, a sample week. Um, you can even try us for a dollar for the month and get a feel for it. Wow. Um, but I think that's the, the best place to start. Great. Great. Stephanie Dreyer, that is wonderful. Batchcookingclub.com. I'm going to recommend everybody take a look on it. We're going to put some, some of your info and links, well, certainly in the show notes for the podcast, but also on our Instagram and Facebook pages. And I hope everybody, you have a big following. So there are a lot of people who know about you, but maybe there's four or five people on my group that, uh, that haven't heard about you yet and don't know what you offer. So I really am appreciating you coming and spending this time with us today. Is there anything you would uh, like to add for anybody listening today? No, I, I would also just encourage anyone who's interested in that planner to go to batchcookingclub.com backslash planner, because that's the um, resource I mentioned, that free resource that outlines our five-step system and can really get you started. Like if you, you're like, oh, I really love what she's saying. I want to try this. Like that's a great way to kind of get your feet wet and, and get a go for it. So I'm just so grateful to you, Michelle. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate you and your time. Thank you. It was great to get to know you and uh, we'll, uh, we'll, get all your links available and anybody who listens to the podcast in the far future we'll try to keep things um up to date in our links and thank on, on our resources page here at veg your best thank you stephanie thank you very thank much thank you so veg heads what did you think of stephanie dreyer what a cheerful lovely woman i really enjoyed talking to her her energy is fantastic um and i think you can tell she really knows what she's talking about, food-wise, organization-wise, family-wise. And there she is, the only vegan in her family. And um, she is not going to let that be a problem for her. I love that. And I think we all need um, a refresher course in deciding some things are just not a problem. We can start where we are and we can do what we want. And we can also be part of the solution. We can also model terrific things for our family members. And believe me, I am certain it is not wasted 
on her family. The kind of uh, work she's put into it, Stephanie's really, really a model vegan citizen, I think. Really an inspiration for all of us. So I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I want to just remind you what she said, that if you go on stephaniedreyer.com, all these links are in the show notes, but if you go on stephaniedreyer.com, you can scroll down to the free resources pages and you can get her planner, which is uh, very beautifully designed and also a real resource to just get a sense of how Stephanie recommends we begin this program, uh, her five steps and how to make things simple and organized. And I can't imagine too many people having done a better job creating this sort of program. Batchcookingclub.com or stephaniedreyer.com. I think we've really hit it out of the park with someone with some great solutions for those of us who may be a little overwhelmed by cooking for people who are plant-based or vegan or ourselves are plant-based or vegan don't know how we're going to be cooking for our omni or carnivore eating family members that we're still hoping we'll see the light. So I hope you enjoyed the podcast and I hope you'll take a look in the show notes for all the links and Stephanie has several extra programs in terms of more one-on-one or group coaching programs that you could look into as well. Um, I happen to know she is available. If you email her, she is going to want to email back and see how she can be helpful to you for your situation. So don't hesitate to reach out. And maybe one of her children's books is the perfect gift for some small person on your gift list. Veg Your Best podcast production, music, and editing by Charlie Weinshank. Thanks, Charlie. Before you go, it would mean so much to me and the Veg Your Best team if you would hit subscribe, leave us a five-star review, or share with someone you think might be interested. Something about algorithms, it helps bump us up a little in the rankings, and that's the best way to help others find the podcast and for us to find our audience. So until next week, make it easy and veg your best.